America's high spending on healthcare comes with trade-offs. While negative factors exist, such as the high expense of drugs and medical procedures, there are positives too. We get very high quality physicians and nurses. We get much faster access to diagnostics and procedures, nicer amenities and facilities. That's Ashish K. Jha, MD, MPH, director of the Harvard Global Health Institute. On this episode of Moving Medicine, a podcast from the American Medical Association, Dr. Jha talks about the high price of drugs and healthcare services in the U.S. and the effects those costs have on our nation. I'm your host, Todd Unger, Chief Experience Officer at the American Medical Association. Here's Dr. Jha. So administrative costs are higher here, but that can't be the entire story, right? Because that's only a small part of the healthcare system. So let's talk about uh, what else is part of the story. So remember the only equation that we're gonna talk about today is total spending is quantity times price. So I think I've tried to make the argument that quantity isn't the big explanatory factor for higher spending. And so that only leaves one other factor, uh, which is price. And that's why I have that in red. So let's think about this. Could it be price as the problem? And we'll come back to what do I mean by price. Um, so one issue is, is it, is it the prices? There is a very famous paper in 2003 by one of my heroes, uh, an economist uh, at Princeton named Uwe Reinhardt. I'm sure many of you know uh, of Uwe. He passed away about 15 months ago. But he wrote a very famous paper uh, that came out in 2003 called It's the Prices Stupid. Uh, and it basically argued with much less data that a lot of what was driving American healthcare spend, higher healthcare spending in America was prices. So prices of what? So if you go out to Washington today or even survey Americans, of course, one big thing everybody's worried about is prices of pharmaceuticals. So is that true? Are prices of pharmaceuticals higher here? And the answer, it turns out, is of course they are, and we know this. Um, pharmaceutical spending per, per capita across these countries, the mean is about 750 bucks, and we're almost twice as high, right? And, um, and, uh, and when you get to individual drugs, you start seeing this. Actually, before I get to individual drugs, let me just make the other point that when we've actually, we didn't do this, but other people have looked at utilization of drugs. Do we take more medicines than other countries? It turns out we don't. We're about average overall. Uh, the French actually tend to turn to take more medicines than almost anybody else. Um, but you know, on some things we're on the high side, on some things we're on the low side. Uh, about 80% of prescriptions that are written in the, in the US are for generics. Um, and it turns out that we're not consuming so much more medications than everybody else, but our prices are much higher. And we see this when you get to individual drugs. Here's Crestor, uh, you know, much higher at, at for, for uh, 30 days. Here's uh, a biologic. Uh, the bottom line is I could do this all day. I could show you just drug prices. And almost everywhere you look, our drug prices are higher. But pharma makes up about 15% of all healthcare spending. So it can't just be about pharma. And now I'm gonna get into more uh, data on what else it is. Here is generalist physician salaries in the US compared to other countries. Here's the mean of what generalist physicians make uh, across these other high income countries. And here's the US, okay. Um, let me show you a bit more of this and then let me just make the following point. I'm gonna take, uh, uh, I'm gonna keep going for a few minutes as I show you a bit more data and I'm gonna try to provide some context here. So that's generalist physicians. Here is specialist physician salaries. Uh, here's the average across these other countries. Uh, here's the US. So both generalist and specialist physicians are higher. Um, it's not just limited to physicians. Uh, 
Here's nursing salaries in other countries. Here's nursing salaries in the US. Uh, so nurses uh, get paid more here. Um, and then let me just take two minutes and talk about some other stuff. And then again, I, I promise I'll take a break and we'll unpack all of this because there's a lot happening here. Um, here's what a CAT scan of the abdomen costs uh, in the US. By the way, I've always found it remarkable that in Spain you can get it for $85. <laughs> uh, you know, and a part of me thinks you get on a plane, go to Barcelona, have some paella, you get a little abdominal pain. The CAT scan's only 85 bucks, you're barely gonna notice. Um, but it's a really remarkable how cheap Spain is. But you know, New Zealand and Switzerland are not cheap countries. Anybody been to Switzerland? Like it's one of the most expensive countries in the world. You walk into a Starbucks and you get a latte and it's like nine bucks. And it turns out uh, CAT scans are less than half the price. Uh, here's an appendectomy. These are average prices based on the International Federation of Health Plans. Prices for, from health plans, these are not charges, right? These are prices that health plans pay. Uh, in, in these various countries. Here's appendectomy way higher here uh, than they are in other countries. Knee replacement, we do, we do more, but they're also much more pricey, uh, about 30% more than Switzerland uh, and, and a bunch higher than uh, New Zealand and Australia. And cardiac bypass surgery, and these are average prices paid by private insurance uh, in the US compared to other countries. And look, it's hard to get prices, and, and these are not perfectly precise, but these are directionally close. Our prices for these procedures are much more expensive. Let me just show you three, my three editorial points, and then I'm gonna stop and take questions. Um, here's pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical innovation, new chemical entities, and where they're coming from. Right? Where, what, who, which country really drives innovation? This is not close. And the pharmaceutical industry says, and there's a lot of pharmaceutical prices are complex, and we could do a whole hour conversation just on pharmaceutical prices. We won't, and I'm gonna mostly gloss over all of the nuances. But there is one point that is worth making, which is the American consumer, by paying higher prices for certain things, uh, certainly is the engine for innovation in terms of new drugs that are coming out around the world. And other countries, by paying a lot less, uh, get to free ride a little bit on the US. And how you deal with that, and do you make other countries pay more, and how do you do that, and will that help? Those are different conversations. But the point is, we are the innovation engine of the world when it comes to pharmaceuticals, and other things as well. Um, physician salaries, I think, is a complex issue. And it's a complex issue because almost nobody other, no other country has physicians who graduate with substantial medical debt. Medical education is paid for. And if medical education is paid for, then, and that counts not so much in medical spending, but in education spending, uh, that gets to somebody's earlier question of are you really comparing apples to apples in terms of what counts. But the bottom line is medical debt is substantially higher uh, in the US than it is uh, almost anywhere else. Um, length of training, especially for a lot of specialty physicians, tend to be a lot longer here. And then here's the last point that's worth making, and that's the opportunity cost, and here's what I mean. If you're a college student in the United States, you're not asking yourself, do I go be a doctor in America or do I go be a doctor in France? That's not the standard question most people ask. They're wondering, do I want to become a doctor? Do I want to become a lawyer? Do I want to go work on Wall Street? Do I want to become an engineer? These are the questions people are asking, right? That's, those are the trade-offs people are thinking about. 
And it turns out that we pay our professionals better across almost every field, right? Our top lawyers get paid more than the top lawyers in France. Our engineers get paid more than the engineers of France or Germany or the UK on average. And so if we did, and this is a, an important point, is that if we took physician salaries, cut it by a third, because we said, oh, doctors are paid too much. Two things. First of all, you might shave off one or 2% of healthcare spending by doing that. Right? You could make all doctors work for free. Just enslave them. And you could save six, seven, eight percent of the healthcare spending, a little bit based on accounting, and, and but maybe seven to eight percent. But the bottom line is, and Uwe, again, Uwe Reinhardt, I'm going to quote him, said, you know, if you cut physician salaries by a third, you can maybe shave off two percent, um, and you're going to demoralize the healthcare workforce that's involved in taking care of our population. You're also going to get a totally different group of people going into medicine. If you paid physicians in the US the way physicians are paid in France, um, over a generation, you're going to get a very different group of people going into medicine. And I believe that will have substantial costs. Um, so I think the issue of physician salaries in this is complicated. And so I show you the simple data that physicians get paid more. And that is a fact. Physicians in America get paid more. But it's very important for me to, to point out, because a lot of people say, your data says doctors get paid too much. I'm like, at no point have I said that. At no point is that what's showing up in the data. We get paid more. But there's a lot of complexity to that. Other benefits of high prices, so I've, as I've already argued, I think we get very high quality physicians and nurses. We get much faster access to diagnostics and procedures. We get nicer amenities and facilities. If you look at hospitals in Germany, um, the average public hospital versus hospitals here, they're nicer, they're better. Now you can ask, well, maybe we shouldn't spend on that, and maybe we should be more frugal. Um, it, you know, we can come back to that, um, but those are the realities of there are benefits of higher prices. I think both innovation and higher quality physicians uh, is a very important part of that. Let's talk about health outcomes. So I'm going to now show you the slide, just like I showed you the, pri the pr uh, healthcare spending slide that you've seen. I'm going to show you the healthcare outcome slide that every policy talk begins with, which is life expectancy, right? Japan. Switzerland, Australia, France, and here we are on our lonesome self on the, on the right. We know our life expectancy is lower than it is for these other high-income countries. And by the way, we like to often say this is sort of, you know, an indictment of the healthcare system, and we can come back to thinking about is this an indictment of our healthcare system in a bit. But let me show you some other data. Okay, that's the mean, that's the US. Here's the same slide, but I dropped America from that slide, and I put in three new numbers. So it's the same countries, Japan, Switzerland, Australia, France, Sweden. But then I added one, two, and three. Mystery numbers. Three US states, exactly. Hawaii, number one. Minnesota, and Connecticut. Okay? Hawaii is number one. Minnesota is number two. Connecticut is number three. So that's interesting. Right? And so people often say, you know, Bernie Sanders, love Bernie, uh, says, if we could just do what Denmark does, right? Here's Denmark, great health outcomes, 80.8 years. Here's Sweden at 82.3. 2 
Denmark's population, anybody know Denmark's population? About six million. About 10%, 15% smaller than Massachusetts. Um, slightly bigger than Minnesota. And so I often say, look, if you want Sweden, we've got Sweden. It's called Minnesota. <laughs> right? About the same size. Maybe Sweden's a little bigger, but, we're, but, but smaller than Denmark. But the point is, we got Minnesota, uh, and we've got Sweden right here. The issue is, it's got health outcomes as good, good as Sweden, as good as Denmark. Um, we have Hawaii that does even a little better. There's Connecticut edging out. Germany, right in tide with the UK, um, just below the Netherlands. The bottom line is we've got states that are the size of some of these European countries um, with health outcomes that are comparable. We also have states with very bad health outcomes. Mississippi and Arkansas and uh, a bunch of other places. And so looking at averages across these countries is a real challenge. And whenever people say to me, boy, if Finland can do this, America should be able to do this, I think Finland, five million, lovely place, by the way. Very homogenous, very high income. And the notion that our country of 320 million people with all the diversity and complexity that our country has can do what Finland can do in five, with this five million people seems to me to be a challenge. It also says, it doesn't mean we can't learn anything from Finland, I think we can, but we've got pockets of health outcomes excellence that are every bit as good as any of these European countries. So it's just worth thinking about, what, are we comparing apples to apples when we compare America to Denmark? And whenever you hear politicians talk about America to Denmark, it's worth remembering. Right? We're talking about a country of about 6 million people versus a country of 320, 330 million people. Um, somebody brought up neonatal mortality, and I want to talk about it, because neonatal mortality is the other. So the two numbers that every health policy expert likes to talk about, whenever we want to talk about how problematic American healthcare is, is we begin with life expectancy and show that America is an outlier. Then we show neonatal mortality and show that America is an outlier. And we say the American healthcare system is terrible. It's the standard, like whenever they give you sort of the, the standard talking points of how do you give a health policy talk, it's always in there. Begin with those two slides. Um, I think those two slides are problematic. I've already shown you why on health life expectancy. It's a little simplistic to just put America up there compared to other countries. Okay, so here's neonatal mortality. We are higher. We're among the highest. We are the highest in this group. Um, neonatal mortality is affected by all sorts of things. And certainly social factors matter immensely. And they drive low birth weight. And low birth weight is the big risk factor for neonatal mortality. So there's been some nice work that says, what about neonatal mortality? And now I'm getting to the question that that gentleman back there asked 30 minutes ago. What about neonatal mortality given low birth weight? What if you took babies that are low birth weight, preemies, where do they do well? This is mortality. Here's the mean. And the two countries that do the best are the US and Germany. Remember, I've been showing you all of this data that Germany and America seem to be kind of on the higher end of a lot of stuff. And then when it comes to mortality given low birth weight, we actually do pretty well. And it starts making us ask all sorts of questions about what are the responsibilities of the health system, what is in, are the fact that we have higher smoking among pregnant women 
Is that a failure of the health system? Maybe. But it's at least worth thinking through that question. Given that we have more poverty in America than there is in the Netherlands, and poverty is a pretty big predictor of low birth weight, is our higher rates of poverty an indictment of you and me? And the, the health system that, that, that delivers care to people? Maybe, but at least it's worth having the conversation at that level of nuance and not a, we put up, you know, we've just put up this slide and say our health system is underperforming. I feel like that kind of misses a lot of the subtlety. So let me just show you a couple more slides that I think try to get at this point. Um, here's a place where we think that uh, uh, the health system can do, can do a lot. Here's some pretty good comparable data. Here's mean across these countries. Uh, and here we are right at the, uh, near the top. 30-day stroke mortality. We have high rates of stroke in the US because we have high rates of hypertension, getting better over time. But if you were to have a stroke, where would you do well? This is 30-day stroke mortality. And we're way off the chart, in a good way, right? Much lower 30-day stroke mortality rates. I could show you AMI mortality rates. It's not quite as dramatic, but we're on the one end. We're, better than, we're much better than average. And so, in my mind at least, as I look at this set of data, it makes me think that there's a lot more nuance to thinking about how do we compare our country in terms of health systems and outcomes and what's in and what's not. And people say, well, you know, people in the Netherlands have much lower rates of diabetes. Everybody's biking around everywhere in Amsterdam, right? And so is that a failure of our health system that we don't have enough people active? Maybe. Like, I'm not saying it's not, but I'm saying we've got to think through that a bit more carefully than looking at the obesity rate of the American population and saying the American health system is underperforming. Just seems to me like that's a leap that we should make with a lot more care than policymakers have been willing to make. Yes, we have a high cost health system. It's driven primarily by administrative costs and prices. Health outcomes at the population level are worse, but if you were to get sick, this is a good place to do it, right? So uh, I like to say, yes, we have more strokes, but if you're gonna have a stroke, and please, nobody, please, nobody have a stroke. But if you're gonna have a stroke, this is probably the best country in the world to do it. Okay, in the interest of time, I am going to uh, let me just make a couple of quick points. I think it's worth thinking about the ACA and beyond. National reforms have all focused on quantity. I would argue, right? If you think about the policies that were enacted as part of the Affordable Care Act, on the cost and quality side of things, they really, on the cost side, focus on quantity. How do we reduce healthcare services? If you look at the value-based payments for hospitals, VBP, HRRP, some of the stuff that's been focused on physicians, efficiency metrics, they're really focused on the model that we're doing too much. We're readmitting too much. Uh, it shows up in the VBP. Here's my one-line summary, and I'm happy to get into the details. We've done a lot of this empirical work. I think the data are pretty clear that most of these value-based payments just don't do much. They've had little to no impact. Because I think our mental model has been that doctors would just do the right thing if you gave them an extra 1% on their uh, compensation. I think that's a crazy mental model. But that's been the mental model. Let's put in 1% or 2% adjustment on their salaries, and all of a sudden they'll start doing things that they already knew were really important and good for their patients, but for whatever reason weren't doing. And it has turned out that that makes a whole lot of 
simple economic theory just doesn't really work in real life. Um, the models that are having some impact are what I sort of talk about as a kind of accountability and changing the episode. ACOs, value-based, oh, no, ACOs and bundle payments. Um, here there's a bit more reason for optimism. There was a paper in the New England Journal uh, two weeks ago uh, by Michael Barnett and folks showing about six to $800 of saving per episode for knee and hip replacement. Um, ACOs on average are sort of saving two to 4%. So these are some of these big national programs. Um, the point in my mind is these value-based payment adjusters are, don't do very much in terms of outcomes and impact. Some of these other ACO-like things are having modest benefits. And there are some issues on scalability. I've started my talk with this, and I'm going to finish with this, which is where is the action going to be? Uh, all the action, I think, all the interesting intellectual action is going to be in the States. Um, and I'm going to just spend a minute and just fly through. I, I, again, a lot of you have a lot more expertise on this than I do. Um, and I, this is not meant to be a comprehensive coverage of all the things that are happening in states. I just want to talk about a few where I see a lot of interesting stuff. Um, there's the Maryland all-payer model where you have hospitals on a global budget and um, you have targets set and you're looking at per capita hospital revenue growth. Mixed data on whether it's having an impact. Um, Massachusetts has a different approach. They created a health policy commission, sets targets for total healthcare spending growth, encourages movements away from fee-for-service models towards ACOs, alternative payment. Um, let me just make a couple more points and then I'm gonna make a big one. We see this across other states. Vermont is doing this, Arkansas, um, Oregon has an alternative payment advanced care model, an advanced care model. Um, the big picture point here is if you look at the landscape in the country, you see lots of states trying lots of different things. 40 states pursuing some sort of value-based payment models, right? Many of them are multi-pair initiatives. Uh, lots of states trying ACOs, um, other episode programs. There's the state innovation models, uh, et cetera. Here's the big picture point. I think states are trying all these things. Um, I think it's great because they're all doing it a little differently. And we're going to learn a lot about this kind of stuff. But it's still primarily focused on quantity, on trying to reduce quantity of healthcare services. And I've told you that the data on ACOs and bundle payments is you can make a little bit of an impact. You can shave off two, three, four percent of healthcare spending over five years. And that's not nothing. But what has become clear to me, and if I were asked to give this talk a year ago, I would not have said this, but I will say it now, is that states are starting to realize that a lot of the action is not just in quantity, but it's in prices. And where states are going is tiptoeing in, some people say it's more than tiptoeing, up to you, um, into price regulation. Because if prices are a problem, there are two ways that we know how to deal with prices, competition and regulation. And so it starts with things like people starting kind of in easier areas like out-of-network provider charges and kind of maxing them out at at uh, certain uh, Medicare, where you get into Rhode Island's hospital rate setting and ACO growth caps, but they're considering a cost target and that will eventually get into prices. I would argue that Massachusetts Health Policy Commission is really thinking about price regulation quite a bit. You get stuff into Vermont, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, 
Um, the point is people are trying this, are thinking about it. Uh, and again, I think a lot of you probably have a lot more on the ground experience on these things uh, than I do. And so let me finish with this slide, um, but then let's take maybe five minutes if we uh, have it. I think we have about 10 minutes um, for more questions, both on the international stuff and on the state stuff. Um, is that I think what we're going to see is people always talk about states as the laboratory of democracy in America. I think it's going to be the laboratory of innovation. New care models, new efforts to do things. Blue states are going to do things very differently than red states. Certainly around price regulation, I think we're going to see a lot more stuff coming out of blue states in terms of their willingness to say, actually, we're going to set all payer pr uh, prices at X. Um, so that, I think, is going to be interesting. Um, I think states are going to be even more important in the era of divided government. I think Medicare is going to continue doing alternative payment models, ACOs, but you're not going to see big, new, bold things coming out of CMS or certainly no big health reform coming out of Congress uh, in the next two years. And I think what's interesting about states is what works for one state may not work for others, right? I've already shown you data that Minnesota, I didn't show you Mississippi, but you can imagine on almost every metric, Minnesota and Mississippi look very different. And so there's no reason to believe that the policies that will make Minnesota's health system better are exactly the policies that will help the Mississippi health system. There may be some overlap, but you know that there are gonna be differences in policy. And my belief is that this is the approach that we're gonna to need to take uh, to create a uniquely American solution. Um, we're gonna to have to figure this out at the state level, and we're not gonna have a single health system that looks exactly the same in Boston uh, as it does in Oregon, as it does in Miami. Like, that's not what we're gonna, I think, ever get to. Um, we're gonna have a patchwork of places that look different from each other because the underlying populations are different, the needs are different. And that, to me, is gonna be an important feature of what I sort of think of as a uniquely American solution uh, with states leading the way. That was Dr. Jha on the positive and negative outcomes of high prices in America's healthcare sector. I'm Todd Unger, and this is Moving Medicine, a podcast by the American Medical Association. To get exclusive AMA advocacy news and information impacting patients, physicians, and the healthcare environment, subscribe to the AMA's Advocacy Update newsletter at ama-assn.org slash advocacy update. You can also subscribe to Moving Medicine and other great AMA podcasts on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify, or visit ama-assn.org slash podcasts. Thank you for listening.